I'd love for you to turn with me to Genesis uh, 1, verses 26 through 28. Uh, We're going to read from God's Word a little bit and then discuss what it means. So, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And of course I'm dropping things. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish and the sea, the birds of the sky and the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created them in the image of God. And he created them male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Now, this short passage is one of the most dense passages in the entire Bible. And so we could sit here for weeks on just these three verses and try to figure out exactly all the details and everything it means. Um, So in the interest of having lunch at a regular time today, we're going to focus on just one sort of specific thing uh, that uh, I think the Lord has put on my heart. this, this passage is broken up into three parts. There's the first verse where God is uh, taking a, and thinking about um, what it means to be the image of God and what he wants man to be. Then there's the second verse where he actually creates mankind. And then there's the third verse where he gives instructions to mankind. And he tells them to go and multiply and be fruitful and have, have authority over the entire earth. So, a lot of people uh, take a look at this verse, uh, verse Genesis 1, 26, and they say, well, there's all sorts of different ways we can think about the, being the in, image of God. Sometimes people think, well, that must mean that God looks exactly like me. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope he doesn't look like me. You know, <laughs> he's probably much better looking than me, uh, and I hope, hope we don't have to... <laughs> endure this in heaven. But um, some people think that uh, it means that we have a soul like God. And while that's true, we see a story dedicated to that in uh, Genesis chapter 2, where God breathes his spirit into Adam. And so we have to sort of deal with this, this phrase being the image of God, because it's separate than having a soul. So I want to take a look at the, the previous part of the creation story. Verses 1 through 25 details the creation story, and it details how God created the, the, the land and the sea and the sun and the moon and stars, all the plants and every, every creature that crawls in the land. And it's interesting because God created all of those things just by speaking. Um, oftentimes when we think about like a king, a king would say something and then his servants would go and do it right? It, you know, like think about the pharaohs. The pharaohs said, oh, I want, I want an, an, a monument to me. And so they built this gigantic pyramid. The, the pharaoh didn't go and build it. He had servants that went and made it, and uh, they, have a, they made pyramids that have lasted for thousands of years. And like another example of this is just like if you were the king and you said, hey, I'm hungry, your servants would go and make you a meal, probably the best meal you've ever had. Well, here in the first few verses of creation, 
we're seeing God speak and something is being done. He's, whatever he says, it's immediately true. Now, if we take a look at the first few verses and that's all we know about God, we know that one thing is true about God. He is in control. He's the king, and he's making things happen just by what he says. And so, uh, at the bare minimum, we know that God is in charge, and he rules his creation with ultimate authority. So, being the image of God means that we're also given authority, and we're also given the desire to rule creation with him. So, uh, <clears throat> when I worked as a waiter, uh, when I was in college, uh, I had a great boss, and but there, there, was a, there were a few instances where I thought he could have done a better job. Um, one instance, uh, in fact, the last instance I uh, ended up speaking with him, the, I, had a, uh, I was taking my finals, and I, I asked off for it because I knew, hey, I've got a final. I can't work during my final, so I've got to take my final. Well, I asked off, and when he made the schedule, he accidentally scheduled me to work during my final, and I told him, like, hey, I can't be here. I'm going to be taking my final. So each day for, like, the next week, I'm reminding him, like, hey, I'm not going to be here. You should probably schedule someone else. You should probably schedule someone else. And the day of my final comes, and he hadn't changed the schedule, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to my final. I hope he, gets it. he hasn't figured it out. So I go to my final, and for whatever reason, I didn't silence my I had it on a vibrate, but I, had, I didn't silence my phone. And so I'm taking my final, and my phone starts buzzing. And I'm like, I know exactly what that is. My boss is calling me to see where I am, but I'm taking my final. I can't, it's not like I could take out my phone and answer it. So about an hour passes, and I uh, end up doing great on the final. Leave my class, and I call in to work and just to see what he wanted. And he said, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to have to let you go. You didn't show up to work today. And I was like, man, you probably could have done a better job managing this situation because I, I reminded you every single day. But so that, that's like one instance of me thinking about how my manager could have done a better job. But um, the, the interesting thing is, like, everyone in this room either, A, wants to be a manager, B, was a manager, C, is a manager, or D, thinks their manager could probably do a better job, right? So, everyone has this inherent uh, God-given authority and this desire to rule in one way or another, whether you're like a manager or you want to be a manager, or you look at your manager and you're like, hmm, he could do better than that. <laughs> um, so, in, in this first verse, he's saying this is what man is going to do. He's He's going to have authority. He's going to be able to rule. I'm giving this as a gift to him. And so in verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them, male and female. Now, what's interesting is this verse is actually the very first poem in the Bible. Um, no other part of creation got a poem, but God wanted to take, take a moment and write this little poem to us. And it's, it's so interesting because, like, no other part of the creation story gets a little poem. But God values mankind so much that he was like, mm, I'm going to write a little love letter about how much I think about man and woman. So 
God created each person in this room in the image of God, and that should blow your mind, right? Think about ancient, ancient kingdoms, ancient uh, empires. Um, they were seen, like the kings and queens and empire, emperors and all those people, they were seen as the image of God. They were seen as the like, manifestation of God. Well, I mean, think about Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the uh, manifest, well, according to them, they were the, the manifestation of the sun god, Ra. And then the Babylonians, very similar thing, they had uh, their own set of gods that um, they uh, worshipped, and they thought that their king was one of their gods. And the same thing was true for Roman emperors. They thought that each Roman emperor was a deity of their own. But the truth is that no humans are deities. Instead, he created all of mankind in the image of God. Not just, not just kings and queens and emperors, but all of mankind, elevating every single person to the role of prince or princess in his kingdom. Now, this means that the person in the mirror is made in the image of God. This means your co-worker is made in the image of God. This means your neighbor is made in the image of God. It means the waiter that messed up your order that one time is made in the image of God. And even that one politician that you really don't like, that person is also made in the image of God. And as such, they should be treated as the image of God. Am I right? I mean, every single individual, whether you like them or not, they were made in the image of God. Now, the interesting thing is we have, we have to take a look at one small phrase at the end of that verse, and it says, he created them male and female. Now, uh, the Bible says that he created them male and female, and here's the thing. You were born just as you were born. If you were born a male, God made you to be a male. And if God made you a female, he made you to be a female. But the same is true for a person's race, right? If someone was born in a certain uh, part of the world, that, that was, that's a gift. They were born there, and that, that should be celebrated. In fact, uh, Roman, sorry, Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says that after, after this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Your ethnicity and your nationality, your race, your language, all of those are gifts from God. And you should not look down on those who are from a different part of the world or have differences in some way. Because one day, you'll be worshiping God next to that person. The same is true if you have a disability of some kind. In fact, the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 4.11, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God makes people the way he intended them to be made. And it's important for us to recognize that no matter our gender or race or ethnicity, the language that we speak, any type of other difference that we have. So God made each person individually, and he made them special, and he made them in a way that he wanted. But in verse 28, he gives mankind the instructions that we're supposed to be following out. And in Genesis 1:28 it says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So God gives his instructions to mankind. He says, 
you have this entire earth go and rule and create and be a part of my creation and take charge of it. Now, um, I wish that was the end of the story, but I don't know about you. I'm, I'm about one page into the Bible, and there's, there's a lot left over, right? That means something, something else happens, right? Um, we know that uh, if we continue reading in the story, something goes wrong eventually. So let's, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 3. Just even the first few words of Genesis chapter 3 uh, tells us something interesting about what goes wrong. So Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent. Those three words should, should like put us on pause and make us think, hmm, something, something's interesting about this. Well, if we look at the if we look at Genesis one twenty six, it said that man would rule the fish, the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Where do we think that serpent was? I mean, it was probably crawling around on the earth, right? Um, so it's interesting because if we continue reading, we know that the serpent goes and deceives Adam and Eve, and he uh, causes them to uh, disobey God. And it's, it stinks because Adam and Eve should have had authority over this creature, but they didn't. They allowed this creature to exert its authority over mankind and sort of reversing the way that God had created the world. Now, we never lose the image of God. We never lose how God made us, but sometimes we do fail to live up to it. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They... They failed to live up to being the authority in the world. Instead, they allowed some other creature that God had created to exert its authority over them. So sometimes we, we live as aliens in a foreign land when we're actually like the prince or the princess in uh, God's kingdom. In fact, sin is knowing the will of God and using your God-given authority to pursue your own desires over, uh, over his will. By ignoring the authority that was in their life and listening to a creature that was under their own authority, they were deceived and they pursued their own desires. Now, sin is such an ugly thing and it's, it's sort of like this wild creature. And sometimes the, the Bible portrays this sin as a wild animal without any self-control. It causes people to do things that only an animal would do, Right? Adam and Eve sinned, and they listened to this animal, and they listened to it and gave into the sin that uh, was in their lives. The same is true if we continue reading, uh, even just another chapter later. If we read in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel are giving offerings to God, and Cain's offering is rejected while Abel's offering is accepted. And Cain gets angry about that. Cain is upset. He's, I mean, they, they seemingly both gave offerings that were acceptable, but only God only accepted Abel's offering. So Cain gets angry, and the Lord says to him in Genesis 4, 7, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, if being the image of God means that we can rule, the same is true here in this verse. We've been given this authority to rule. We should be able to rule over our own sin. But the problem is, if we keep reading in Genesis chapter 4, we find out that Cain is unable to rule over his own sin, and he gives in and murders his brother. And the, the important thing is 
to, I mean, another important word is to look at the word crouch. Think about a lion crouching in, in the grass. Like, what is it about to do? It's about to attack, right? So, even First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary is your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone that he can desire. The devil, the devil is out to get you, and he's trying to get you to trip up and to give in to your own animalistic, self-centered sin. Um, but, as we know, Cain doesn't live up to his calling, his calling to rule over his own sin, and he murders his brother. Another example of this is David and Bathsheba. David had no self-control. David murdered a man, and he abused his position as king and committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, if you've ever seen Planet Earth or any, like, nature documentary, you've seen animals behave like this. Animals will kill and destroy and fight each other just to find a mate, and that's, that's what David did right here. He killed and did all sorts of things behind the scenes just so that he could find a woman that he wanted. My Sunday school class recently got the opportunity to go through some of the old school Veggie Tales uh, stories and sort of watch some of them and you know sort of point and laugh and like oh, that's funny. But some of them like they changed the story quite a bit and like the story of David and Bathsheba, they changed completely because it is such a disgusting and gross story that the creators of Veggie Tales felt like they couldn't do it justice, so they they tweaked it to make it their own story. In fact, I don't know if you're able to tell, but Instead of David and Bathsheba, they make it King George and the Ducky, right? They change every name. They change all the locations. They, they even change, like, the, the moral of the story just to make it more kid-friendly. Of course, uh, I got to watch this as a kid, and it was, it was interesting because, you know, it's, it's a lesson about selfishness. But it's, it's a lot more than just being selfish. It's, it's a story about uh, having my own, like, lust and murderous intents in my heart and uh, acting like an animal as a result of it. Um, so, uh, and it also doesn't take a lot of brain power to think about modern times and think about uh, the animalistic, mindless sin that we see every day. I mean, we can, we can think about all the murders that go on. I mean, Lubbock is pretty, a pretty safe, safe space. Safe space. That's hard to say for me, apparently. Lubbock is a pretty safe space for the most part, but we do see murder here in Lubbock, uh, or we, we see lots of abuse, um, but even looking in, inwardly, we can see uh, this animalistic, mindless sin. Like, I can think about the hatred or the, the lack of patience or the envy in my own heart when I uh, think of sin. And I, it, it takes, I mean, when I, when I think about my students at school, it takes a lot of patience, and sometimes I don't have it. And it, it sort of, sometimes it causes me to sort of flare up a little bit and get angry. Um, but in those moments, I'm not living up to being the image of God like, that God called me to do. So it's something that I have to work, work out and think about every single day. And it's something that I think all of us deal with. So these are all like different examples of ways that people have either failed to live up to the image of God or people have failed to... Uh, rule over the animalistic, mindless sin that people have given into. Um, but what does it look like when someone uh, lives their life like a true image of God? Well, we can think about Moses. Moses spent lots of time up on the uh, mountain with 
God. And when he came down, his face was shining. You can go in Exodus 34 and read about how like the Israelites were scared of him. They're like, hey, put on a veil. That's, <laughs> that's, that's scary, right? Your face should not shine except when you've been with God. Um, another example is Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel was in the lion's den, and they, the lions were not able to eat Daniel because it says in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel was blameless before God, and so God made sure that the lions would not have any power over him. So it's, it's a great example of how he had control over his own sin, and therefore he was able to have authority over even like the, the actual animals. The book of Acts Basically, the entire book of Acts is just story after story after story of uh, people, disciples of Jesus, going and having authority over different kinds of sin and speaking truth into other people. Um, but of course, like the best, uh, the, the truest image of God is actually Jesus. So Jesus knew that he was the perfect image of God, and he called others to be like him. There's, I mean, we, we could sit here and just read all of the Gospels and just see how Jesus lived his life to be the image of God. Um, but in the interest of having lunch at a normal time, let's, let's focus in on a certain story. Um, there's a specific passage that I want you to turn your attention to. Go ahead and in your Bibles, if you have them with you, turn to Matthew 22. We're going to read Matthew 22, 15 through 22. This is, this is probably a story that you've heard in the past, and it's... A lot of times people take it in a way uh, that's helpful, but it's, it doesn't fully explain everything that Jesus is thinking. And so I want to take another look at it and see exactly what Jesus said. <clears throat> so Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22, it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, calling, uh, calling along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Perceiving their malicious intent, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, he said to them. Then he said to them, Give then the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, many times people will read this passage and think, Well, okay, since Jesus told me i got to pay taxes, I'll go and pay taxes. If I have to, Jesus told me to, so I will. Um, but there's actually something way more significant that I want to sort of dive into and pull apart. Uh, Let's reread verses 19 and 20. So verse 19 says, Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said, Whose image and inscription is this? Now, I don't know if I have to make this connection for y'all, but let's think back to verses, uh, Genesis 1, chapter 20, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Let us make man in our image image according to our likeness. Well, <clears throat> image and inscription, the, it's not perfect because the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but these words are exactly the same. They've got the same translation. In fact, the word uh, 
icon, or sorry, the word image in Greek means icon. So the word icon is something we think about every day, right? If you want to go to Facebook on your phone, you pull out your phone and you hit the Facebook icon and it takes you to where Facebook is. And the same thing is true for Google Maps. Like if you go and you want to go and open up Google Maps, you hit the Google Maps icon and it leads you to Google Maps. You don't have to go and search for Google Maps. You don't have to go and search for Facebook. You just click on the icon. Now, um, the icon uh, is also, this, this idea about icon is also true for our own lives. We, as images of God, should be icons that lead others to him. Now, most times we end up not living up to that, right? We end up uh, falling away into our own sin and distorting the image that God has given us. Um, but praise God for his infinite wisdom because he sent his son to be the perfect image of God, to be a sort of uh, example for us on how to be the image of God. So let's revisit verse 21. It says, uh, after they gave him the coin and they said, it's Caesar's, they said to him, give then to things that are Caesar's and the things that are God's, the things that are God's. Now, in this passage, Jesus is telling the Pharisees to give to Caesar the things that have his icon or his image. Now, here's a picture of a Roman denarius. It's, it's got Caesar's picture on it, right? It's, his, it's got his image on it. So he's telling the Pharisees to give the things that have Caesar's image on them to Caesar. But the next part is the much more profound part, the part that oftentimes people miss out on because we're so focused on money like the Pharisees. The next part says, give the things to God, the things that are God's. Now, I don't know about you, but when he asks whose image is on it, the next question that we should ask is, well, where's God's image? God's image is on me. God's image is on you. Jesus is making a huge point that's oftentimes missed because we're, we're so focused on the money. But Caesar wants his money, so give him his money. I don't care. Give, give Caesar his money. But God wants his image. God wants his people to give themselves to him. God wants you. And this was such a profound and amazing statement that the Pharisees just agreed and they left. Have you ever won an argument so handedly that the other party is like, you're right and they just walk away. I, I've never had an argument like that, especially with my brother. Like, you know, neither one of us have any kind of humility when we're talking. So, we all, like the other day, we were arguing about whether or not OSU Orange was, like, kind of reddish, and it's been an argument for weeks. But um, we, we tend to argue like that, and I've never had an argument that I won so handedly that the other party says, wow, you're right. And the Pharisees, they, they do. The, Jesus says, give the things that are God's. God's image is on you. You give your life to God. And the Pharisees were like, man, this dude is right. And they just walked away. Now, so the point of this, the point is this. God does not care about your money. God doesn't care about the things you own or the things you have or the job that you have or anything that you do. God cares about you. And he cares about your neighbor. And he cares about everyone that you come in contact with. Remember, God made you to be royalty in his world. 
He loves you, and he made you to be like him. Now, I'm calling on every person in this room to be the image of God that God has intended you to be. Like I said, we've tarnished that image. We've, we've, we're broken. We've, we've ended up misleading people with that image that we've been given. With sin, and there's only one way to be restored. Jesus came as a sacrifice for us so that we could become and we could be restored to the, the image of God that we have been called to be. And it's only through his shed blood that we are able to be the image of God. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm telling you today that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved and you can be the image of God that God has called you to be. All you need to do is believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Or maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you don't live like it. There was a time in my life where I was like that. I, I Thankfully, my parents... Uh, brought me to church, then they, they guided me for years, and I was saved at a very young age. But there, there was a time in my life where I ended up not living my life as the image of God like I should have been. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. The problem with being a living sacrifice is that sometimes we want to crawl away from the altar. You, we've been called to be a living sacrifice, a sacrifice every single day, sacrificing the things that we want to sacrifice those animalistic desires so that we can become the image of God that God has called us to be. Whether you need to begin to live your life as an image of God and be saved only through Jesus Christ, or you need to remember what that sacrifice was, and you need to repent and turn back to Christ. I call on you to make a change in your life today.